Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. In the pursuit of Mojo, Mojo Five O. The light at the end of the tunnel, that beacon of common sense you see up ahead. The Liberty Lighthouse with Peter Serafin is on now. Hello, my fellow patriots and freedom fighters. Welcome to Liberty Lighthouse. I am Peter Serafine, the host and wiki of Liberty Lighthouse, the beacon of common sense, heard on the Mojo 5 radio network, WBN324, the World Broadcast Network, and Patriot Nation Radio Network. Tonight, well, I have, uh, I have 10 proposed amendments to the Constitution that I, I've written up and I think it might be kind of fun to talk about those. They're, I'm, I'm calling them the reclamation amendments. So, uh, yeah, I think that's what we'll do. A man, a legend, with, with a great a, beard. With the greatest beard in radio. This guy is the sweetest, nicest, most gentlest person you've ever met in your life. The man's really insightful and pretty freaking smart. With wit sharp like safety scissors. I would I would walk over hot coals for this guy. With that golden voice behind the microphone. He's got a big, fat, juicy, beautiful brain. The Nostradamus of political prognostication. Your host, Peter Serafine. Hey, no matter where you're listening to Liberty Lighthouse from this week, take a moment to share it out on your favorite social media network. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, rate, review, all of those things uh, for the Liberty Lighthouse. It's greatly appreciated and helps helps us grow. And you can contact Liberty Lighthouse. Contact me at libertylighthouse1776 at gmail.com. Or you can call or text 64MyRights at 646-974-4487. Now, I have these reclamation amendments in front of me. It's 10 amendments that I've written that would help us, help we the people, regain control of our government. If you want to follow along and play the game at home, you can find these at uh, liberty-lighthouse.com. You have to be a member of the site. It's free. Just sign up. doesn't doesn't hurt anything. doesn't cost you anything. You can get a couple of cool things. So you go to liberty-lighthouse.com and click the downloads page. And there you can also find, uh, well, if you're a member, you get a discount in the Liberty Lighthouse store. You can get a free copy of my first book, Progress. Really? And, uh, well, you find these, the reclamation amendments that I've, I've written over the last week. So let's start. Rule or Article number one, reclamation amendment number one. Now, this is the longest of them, and it's about the budget process. Article one, budget process. Section one, the federal budget containing an estimate of both appropriations and expenditures must be passed by Congress by the end of each fiscal year. Now, you're probably thinking, 
Well, that's already the rule. They just don't do it. And you'd be right. Uh, except for I don't think there's any rule anywhere that says that what they do has to be both both uh, expenditures and appropriations at the same time. We haven't done that in decades. So section one, subsection A, a balanced budget shall require a simple majority in both houses of Congress. Subsection B, a budget containing deficit spending shall require a two-thirds majority in both houses of Congress. And you see, I like the idea of a balanced budget amendment, but, well, for one, that ain't gonna ever happen. And for two, you know, there are times when they have to, there has to be deficit spending. It does happen from time to time. It doesn't have to happen nearly as often as it does now, but it does have to happen. So in the case that it does have to happen, a two-thirds majority would, would make that a possibility. I thought that was a reasonable concession in my budget process amendment. Section 2, Article 1, Section 2. Should Congress fail to pass a budget by the end of the fiscal year, all federal elected and appointed officials shall forfeit all salary and benefits except Secret Service protection where applicable until the passage of a budget. That's right. Don't shut down the rest of government. Shut down, stop paying all of our elected and appointed officials. Now, you might think, well, why do we? Why are we punishing the appointed officials? They are, don't have anything to do with the budget process. And you're right. That is true. But that's more pressure to put on Congress. If all of the, you know, the heads of all the alphabet agencies and all of the federal judges and every other appointed position in D.C. isn't going to get paid because Congress refused to pass a budget on time, there might be a little bit of pressure on Congress to pass a budget. What do you think? That's what I thought anyway. Section 2, subsection A, no federal elected or appointed official shall receive back pay related to the failure to pass a budget. Yeah, I'm tired of that. We have one of these, these lockdown or shutdowns, government shutdown, we're not going to do this, this, and this. And all of those people end up getting that money anyway. They just get it a month from now or six months from now. No, that's not really a hardship. I want it to be a hardship. So no, you can't get back pay. Section three of the budget process amendment suggestion is should Congress fail to pass a budget by the end of the fiscal year, Congress shall not be allowed to adjourn or recess and no other business shall be conducted by Congress except budgeting. Hey, if you can't meet the deadline for the budget, then maybe you should stop doing everything else and just focus on the budget for a little while. That's kind of my thought there. In section four, this is, I like this one a lot. This is one of the suggestions that was in, in um, my second book, So Simple Even a Politician Couldn't Understand, except for this time it's written into, you know, amendment form. Section four, no benevolent spending shall be allowed during any fiscal year which begins with a national debt greater than 200% of the national gross domestic product as reported by the Department of Commerce. I've said this before. We're, what, $31 trillion in debt. 
But yet we're given money in the form of foreign aid. We're, we're still given money to nonprofit groups and museums and all of this kind of stuff. You don't do that when you're broke. So I thought the 200% of the gross domestic product was, that's a fair line. If our debt is greater than 200% of the GDP, maybe we shouldn't have all of that benevolent spending, which Madison argued shouldn't be there anyway. As a member of the House of Representatives, Madison did that. He said, I cannot put my finger on the article of the Constitution which allows for benevolent spending. Paraphrased, of course. So, uh, benevolent spending, uh, subsection A, benevolent spending for the purpose of budgeting shall include support to nonprofit organizations and international aid. Section B, this article shall not to be, I'm sorry, this article shall not be construed as to affect payments or benefits paid directly to individual citizens of the United States. So benevolent spending for this purpose is referring to corporate spending and donations to nonprofits and and donations overseas, but not necessarily to payments directly to citizens, i.e. Social Security. And Section 5, the last section of the budget, budget process amendment, this is the longest of all of these amendments, so they're not all going to be quite this boring. I apologize. This article shall take effect the fiscal year immediately following ratification as an amendment to the Constitution by conventions of the several states as provided in the Constitution. I specified that this should go to state conventions, not to the legislatures in my version. Of course, uh, ratification Amendments can be ratified by either conventions in the state or by the state legislatures of the the several states, and uh, sometimes the the uh, the amendment itself says which of those two methods have to be used. So, recap the budget process: uh, budget has to be done by the end of the year. A, a balanced budget is a simple majority. A, a deficit budget requires a two-thirds majority. Uh, elected and appointed officials in federal government don't get paid if it doesn't pass on time. They don't get back pay for it. And uh, no other business can be conducted until the uh, the budget is done once we move into a new fiscal year. And no charity, no benevolent spending when we're when we're in debt. So, yeah. That's the longest one and um I think that's a good time for me to take a break. There's a brand new way to support Liberty Lighthouse and get something great for yourself too and that's at my pillow. mypillow.com/lighthouse. Use the promo code lighthouse to get up to 66% off your favorite my pillow products. I've had the pillows for years. Got the towels about a year ago. Just got the sheets and the quilt now, too. Yes, right, a quilt. Yes, quilts and duvets and everything else you could possibly need for your bed and sleeping. Check it out if you haven't been there in a while. MyPillow.com slash Lighthouse. Use the promo code Lighthouse to get yourself up to 66% off. That's right. Support Mike Lindell, MyPillow, and Liberty Lighthouse by using promo code Liberty Lighthouse at MyPillow.com. And um, I say it every time, 
the My Giza Dream Sheets are by far the best quality sheets I've personally ever owned, quite possibly the best quality sheets I've ever slept on. So another amendment idea that's been kicked around for decades is term limits. And I personally, I've gone back and forth on term limits a lot. Part of me says, you know, yeah, we've got these people staying in government forever we, and, and they lose touch and they suck and we should get rid of them. But then there's also the, the idea that, well, they do have term limits. They're called elections and we're too stupid and keep putting these same people back in place. And then, you know, what happens in the in the rare occasion that there is somebody good? You know, it'd be terrible to have to kick out somebody good because of term limits. So I think I've come up with a pretty creative, what I call term tenure amendment. So this would be Article 2 in my proposed reclamation amendments. Article 2, Section 1, no elected official at the federal level shall be permitted to serve more than two consecutive terms in any one office. Okay. Section 2, a full term must pass before any official can return to an office that uh, where that official previously served two consecutive terms. Section 3, this article shall not be construed to as to affect the term of any official chosen before it becomes a valid part of the Constitution. And Section 4, this article shall take effect on the election day immediately following ratification as an amendment to the Constitution by conventions of the several states as provided in the Constitution. So the idea here is, I'm not going to kick you out of politics. You can be House of Representatives for two terms, four years. Then you got to take two years and do something else. And then you can go back and you can do two more terms. I think that is a nice compromise because it allows us, we the people, to, uh, to see... Would somebody else in the office, how good was that other person really doing now that we got this other, this second person in there? It also allows that person to can, they can be a career politician. They can do it their whole life. They just have to take breaks. It, it stops their constant campaign raising. There, you know, there's going to be two years where they can't have a campaign because they can't be a candidate for that office. And this might also encourage more people to do, say, two terms in the House and then try to go for the Senate. And, and if you think about it, you know, two terms in the House is four years. Two terms in the Senate is 12. That's 16 years if you can make that transition. That's pretty close to a career in politics. Anyway, I thought the term tenure amendment... I. Th- thought I did a pretty good job of being creative there and coming up with something like term limits, but not as harsh as term limits that most of us think of. Now, the next one, (laughs) the next one's a little harsh. It's uh, retirement limits, or shall we say a mandatory retirement age. Article 3, Section 1 A mandatory retirement age for all federal employees shall be established each year. Notice I said all federal employees, elected, appointed, or otherwise. So I, as a postal worker, this would apply to me. 
or Section 1A, this article shall include federal employees elected, appointed, or otherwise hired, like I just said. Section 2, the mandatory retirement age shall be the overall average life expectancy as reported by the CDC plus 5%. So right now, I think the the overall average life expectancy in the United States is 78 years. So if you add 5% to that, that gets you up to 82. So at 82, you got to retire. I thought, again, I thought I was kind of creative there. I, I tied it to a number that can change without changing the law. If Americans start living longer, then each year the retirement age will go up as, because it's tied to that that uh, life expectancy report. And I, you know what? I'd really like to hear your opinions on these. So when when you're listening, please consider giving me a call or text to 64 My Rights, 646-974-4487. I'd really love to hear your opinions on, on my proposed amendments. I'd love to hear suggestions for other proposed amendments. And uh, I'm not sure that it would do any good, but it was a fun experiment for me. Number four, article number four, the oath of office, section one. The oath of office for all federal elected appoint and appointed positions shall be amended to include, quote, I am not a member of and do not subscribe to the principles of any groups opposed to our form of government, end quote. I love that one. I stole that. That is a line out of the um, officer's oath at the American Legion. So, you know, the post commander, for example, they have an oath when they get elected. And that line came out of that oath at the American Legion. And the first time I heard it, the first time I became a post officer many, many, many years ago, I thought, hey, that's a pretty cool line. I'm going to keep that. And then, you know, um, Again, Section 2, this article shall be inoperative unless it shall be ratified by amendment to the Constitution by the conventions of several states as provided by the Constitution. <clears throat> so, yeah, not all of these are mine. There's a, a couple that I've, I don't, I, I've borrowed or stolen or copied from someplace else. And uh, some of them are just really, really simple. The next two, Article 5 is repeal the 16th Amendment and Article 6 is repeal the 17th Amendment. And uh, they just say, you know, Section 1, the 16th Article of Amendment to the Constitution is hereby repealed. That's it. 17th, same thing. The 17th Article of Amendment to the Constitution is hereby repealed. Now, why do we want to do that? I've had this conversation before. If you are a listener of Liberty Lighthouse, you have heard me complain about the 16th and 17th Amendments many times. The 16th Amendment, which authorized the government to tax you and I, the citizens, directly. Prior to the 16th Amendment, our federal government had to give bills to the states apportioned by the population of the state. The state decided how to raise said money to pay to the federal government. 
making illegal, making it constitutional and lawful for the federal government to tax you, a citizen, directly, flipped the power the power pyramid in our country. Now, instead of money coming from us to them, it's coming from them to us, and they think they can control us by that. They use money at the federal level to give back to the state and local level. They use money at the federal level to bribe and extort the states into doing what they want them to do. And the only reason that they can do these things is because they have all of this money, which prior to the 16th Amendment, they did not have. I, I think that repeal of the 16th Amendment is vital to, for, for reclaiming our government and getting, our, getting control of our government again. And I feel the same way about the 17th Amendment, repealing the 17th Amendment. Again, prior to the 17th Amendment in 1913, senators were elected by the, uh, the legislatures of the states, appointed by the legislatures of each state. When we passed this 17th Amendment and made it so that senators are elected by popular vote of a state, we've again flipped the power source, power struggle, power pyramid, paradigm. We've flipped it over because the Senate was supposed to be the people that were there to protect states' rights. They were there directly reporting to the legislatures of the states, getting their marching orders, so to speak, from the legislatures of the states. The House of Representatives is ours. That's you and me. We get those people. That's why the districts are relatively small. We elect them. The states were supposed to, the state governments were supposed to put in the senators. By flipping that, we've made senators basically glorified members of the House of Representatives. They're elected by direct election, by we the people, and they don't know us, they don't care about us, except on election day to get your vote. They're no longer trying to protect states' rights because they're not being managed by a small group of legislators, for example, in a state. How many people are, you know, if there's 10 million people in your state, you get two senators. Your senator doesn't know all 10 million of you. Can't possibly know all 10 million of you. But he can know the 100 or 200 or even 500 members at your state house. And that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to know those people. They're supposed to report to those people. And I don't understand. I really don't get why this one was ever changed in the first place. It annoys me that something that was clearly written into the U.S. Constitution for the purpose of balance of power, clearly there to separate powers and change it so that everybody in our federal government got their job a different way. Everybody was elected by a different process. And we changed it. I don't, I don't really get that. But again, like I said with the 16th Amendment, I really firmly believe that repealing of the 17th Amendment is vital if we ever really want to get back to the the, the Federalist Republican-style government where you and I have all of the freedoms that we're supposed to have and our states are independent and sovereign 
the way they were originally supposed to be. Number seven, wow, we're flying right through these. I've only got four left. And uh, that's going to make for an interesting second half because I don't have a whole lot of other show notes. (laughs) Um, Number seven is transparency. You've heard me talk about H.R. 46, um, the one bill, one subject transparency act. I basically simplified that already very simple bill. I simplified it even more and wrote it up as it would be for an amendment of the Constitution. And that is my number seven. But before we go over that, please support my effort to bring attention to HR46. Go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash HR46. Click the sign the petition button. Uh, I believe I'm at 590 signatures. We need uh, you know thousands upon thousands more if that is going to be of any use to us in getting that bill looked at by the House of Representatives. So please sign it and share it everywhere. There's the music. Be back in two minutes with the second half of Liberty Lighthouse. food shortages happening just about everywhere. If you think it'll get worse before it gets better, don't get caught unprepared to feed your family. Prepare with Mojo50.com After a long, hard night, I am exhausted. I need something that will stimulate me. That's why I start each day with Ron's sexual chocolate. It really gets me off to work. Find the flavor that stimulates you and gets you off to work at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. 855-325-1820. 855-325-1820. That's 855-325-1820. If you've got an ED problem, now you can get generic or herbal blue pills for as little as $2 a pill from Steel Man Pills. 800-485-3208. 800-485-3208 Welcome back to the Liberty Lighthouse. Yeah, welcome back. 
Welcome back to Liberty Lighthouse. Indeed, if you're just joining us, we're going through, uh, well, I'm calling them the reclamation amendments. Ten amendments, ten proposed amendments to the U.S. Constitution that I've written that I think would help us get much better control over our government. Now, I just kind of, these are all ideas I've had over the last several years. I, I just wrote them down over the last few days. I'm not 100% sold on any of them, but if, if there was a candidate out there that was talking about these things in these ways, willing to support these things, that'd be my candidate. That's why I'm doing this, I suppose. I want you to share these reclamation amendments with all of your politically minded friends. Share them with anybody who has ever even considered running for an office. Again, you can get the paper copy, um, download it from liberty-lighthouse.com and uh, sign in as a member and click the downloads page. Three, four sheets of paper, 10 amendments. And uh, well, I think it's all good stuff, but I wrote it, so I'm a little biased. Article 7 out of 10, I have uh, labeled as transparency. Like I said before the break, it's it's a lot like the HR 46, one bill, one subject transparency act. Uh, section one, I added this. This isn't in the one bill, one subject transparency act, but I like this section one. No law, bill or resolution from Congress may exceed 4,500 words. I've often said this. My, I firmly believe that if the founders of this country, the, the framers of our nation, our forefathers, if they could set up a brand new, never before tried form of government, three separate branches of said government, the powers of the three different branches, how all of the people would get their jobs, they could do all of that in 4,500 words give or take 45, 24 or something like that. They could do all of that in 4,500 words, but our Congress today needs 4,000 pages to write the income tax code. That's insane. So I think that's a, a valid point to put in there. Uh, no bill law or resolution from Congress may exceed 4,500 words. Section two, each bill in Congress must be limited to one specific subject. Subsection A, any amendment to a bill must pertain directly to that the subject of that bill. Section three, the title of the bill or resolution must accurately describe the purpose of the bill or resolution. And that's the end of mine, you know inoperative until ratified by conventions in the states. And I specifically said convention in that one, not uh, not legislatures. I think uh, I think that's an important one for we the people to get our say as to whether or not it gets ratified. And I also left out something from HR 46, but it was it was about um, appropriations bills not reaching out and touching other laws or changing other laws or something like that. And I you know, given that I did a, an entire page, the whole, f the first one was all about the budget process. I decided to leave that off of my amendment 
in this particular issue. Number eight, article number eight of the reclamation amendments recommended by Peter Seraphine is one that I copied from someone else. This is one that I'm sure you've heard before. It's often referred to as the 28th Amendment. It is, uh, Congress shall make no law that applies to the citizens of the United States that does not apply equally to the senators and representatives. And Congress shall make no law that applies to senators and or representatives that does not apply equally to the citizens of the United States. I'm sure you've heard that before. I don't understand why that's not in there already, but it's not. Number nine, this is where we start getting, well, touchy, I guess. Number nine is campaign finance. Um, I don't know a whole lot about campaign finance laws, but uh, I, I took a stab at something here to, that would do a lot for getting rid of the so-called dark money in politics, the untraceable donations that we don't know where they came from and all that kind of stuff. Huge donations sometimes. Campaign finance, section one. Organizations, for-profit or otherwise, cannot contribute support to political campaigns in excess of the limits applied to private citizens. Okay? Does that make sense? So you and I, we have a limit of how much we're allowed to give to any one particular political campaign. We'll say, I don't know, $1,600 or something like that, that you are allowed to give. But if you go out and you create a political action committee, you can collect that $1,600 from tons and tons and tons of people and then give it all to one person. And that's just wrong. Um, I don't think any non-profit organization or for-profit organization, they should not be just pouring tons and tons of money into political campaigns. Anyway, section two, it's, this is uh, this is a pet peeve of mine too. Section two, no organization for-profit or otherwise that receives federal subsidies, donations of federal funds, or is financed in any way by federal money may contribute to political campaigns. I freaking love that idea. See, <clears throat> we have what we have going on right now is you've got uh, people get elected and they give money to nonprofit groups that they agree with and you know that supported their campaigns and then those campaigns like you you as a, a legislator like you you carve out an earmark or you you've you know well, I'll scratch your back you scratch mine kind of thing right so you help out these organizations and these org- organizations then help you out in your election your re-election bids and it's just a vicious ugly circle and one of the things that happens is uh, we all remember Planned Parenthood. And so the federal government was giving money to Planned Parenthood. Well, Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion provider in the country. And there's a law that says that the federal government can't finance abortions. 
But Planned Parenthood says, well, we don't use the money that the federal government gives us for abortions. Money is fungible. Just because I give you $100 and say that you can only use it to buy groceries, well, now, okay, so you use the $100 I gave you, but that frees up $100 of your own money to go use someplace else. Money is fungible. And it gets really ugly sometimes. If you're if you run a museum and you get a big fat grant from the federal government, you shouldn't then be able to turn around and donate to political campaigns because you're going to support whoever gave you the big fat big fat money and it's just wrong. It needs to stop. And I thought I thought I was pretty clever there on how to do that. The no organization for profit or otherwise which receives federal subsidies, donations or fe- of federal funds or is financed in any way by the federal money may contribute to a political campaign. It should just be a disqualifier as far as I'm concerned. This article shall be inoperative unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the Constitution in the several states as provided by the Constitution. I thought that was pretty good. And then this last one, this is the last one I wrote. I said it had 10. I've had other ones pop into my head when I wasn't around my computer or near a pen or while I was working and stuff, and I didn't write them down. There are other ones that that I will add to the document on the website so uh, if you go to liberty-lighthouse.com, click the do- downloads. Um, as I come up with new ones, I'll add them to the document. You can keep looking back as often as you like. Article 10 of the Reclamation Amendments. Regulations. Section 1. Any rule or regulation produced by any department, office, or agency which will be enforced by the imposition of penalties must be individually approved by Congress. Does that make sense? Any rule or regulation produced by any department, office, or agency, which will be enforced by the imposition of penalties, must be individually approved by Congress. If you have a regulation and there's a penalty a fine, for example, for not complying to that regulation. What what you have is not a regulation. What you have is a law. And the Constitution is pretty clear. All legislative powers is granted to the Congress. Only Congress can pass laws. So I understand Congress doesn't necessarily know anything about I don't know, airplanes and air travel and airports, maybe Congress shouldn't be the people writing the rules for airlines. But if those rules have penalties associated, they should have to be approved by Congress. So if the FAA wants to make a new regulation, they can plead their case to Congress as to why or whether or not it needs to be a law or why it needs to be there. Now, we already have so many rules and regulations that it's on, it's insane and we don't know how many of them there even are and all this. So, oh, Section 2 of my regulation amendment says, Rules and regulations enforced by the imposition of penalties, 
existing prior to the ratification of this article must be approved by Congress within one year of ratification. So I give them a year. You got a year to go through all of your books, your thousands and pages of regulations, and take them to the Congress and get them approved. Otherwise, they go away. That's how I see it. And the article shall take effect uh, the fiscal year immediately following ratification as an amendment to the Constitution as blah, 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 blah. That part doesn't really change. So those are my 10. Those are the the 10 reclamation amendments that I came up with over the last few days. And I would love to hear and see and read your ideas for other suggested amendments that might make our country better. So please email those to me at uh, libertylighthouse1776 at gmail.com. Call or text 646-974-4487. Either one of those things. Let me see your ideas. Politics and the two controlling political parties are destroying America. The United States Constitution made this country great, and the Constitution is the answer to our political woes. Forget the two ruling parties and register as a constitutionalist. Join the only national political party that stands for the founding principles of the U.S. Constitution. Learn more, join, and support the Constitution Party at constitutionparty.com. Okay, well, that was my uh, my amendments, and, uh, well... That's all the notes I, I have for tonight. So I got 15 minutes left. Let's talk inflation. Here's Biden's ideas. I want, uh, I want every American to know that I'm taking inflation uh, very seriously, and it's my top domestic priority. Yeah, sure. And I'm here today to talk about solutions. And there's going to be more we're going to have to talk about as well. But first, I want us to be crystal clear about the problem. There are two leading causes of inflation we're seeing today. Two causes. First cause of inflation is a once-in-the-century pandemic. Pandemic, okay. Not only did it shut down our global economy, it threw the supply chains no. and demand completely out of whack. No. Especially in countries where more effective recovery responses uh, uh, weren't available. Especially in those sectors that rely on semiconductors. These supply challenges have been further uh, hampered uh, by uh, the onset of Delta and Omicron viruses. No. And you've all seen it. You've all felt it. And this year we have a second cause. A second cause. Mr. Putin's war in Ukraine. Oh, really? We saw in March that 60% of inflation that month was due to price increases at the pump for gasoline. Okay. Putin's war has raised food prices as well. What, What Joe Biden is talking about there is supply and demand. And supply and demand is not inflation. You see, supply and demand can cause shortages and it can cause some prices to go up. For example, semiconductors and gasoline like he was just talking about. But, you know, first off, the the coronavirus didn't shut down the world. The governments did. But so supply and demand causes prices in individual instances certain things to go up but not inflation inflation is made in washington because only washington can create money and any other attribution of to other groups of inflation is wrong consumers don't produce it 
Producers don't produce it. The trade unions don't produce it. Foreign sheiks don't produce it. Oil imports don't produce it. What produces it is too much government spending and too much government creation of money and nothing else. And nothing else. See, that was Milton Friedman. And when it comes to the economy, I would trust Milton Friedman a lot more than I would trust Biden or anybody else in Washington, D.C. today, for that matter. I mean, the Fed is is raising interest rates. They've done uh, another three quarters of a basis point or whatever it is, 75 basis points, three quarters of a percent just uh, a, a few days ago. And that's, you know, that'll help inflation, I guess. But it also makes things more expensive. It makes buying a house more expensive. It makes your existing house more expensive if you have an adjustable mortgage. But it helps with inflation in that it gets some of that money back in the government's hands. The problem, what like Milton Freeman just said, inflation is caused by too much money. Again, using supply and demand, what happens when you have a whole bunch of something and not a whole lot of demand? Yeah. It gets worth less. And that's what's going on right now with the $6 trillion that was just created out of thin air in the name of COVID. And now we've got uh, Joe Manchin just decided that he's going to go along with this new renamed Build Back Better plan. The, I don't know, the economic recovery package or whatever garbage name that they gave it. It's basically one big giant green energy environmentalist bill that does nothing for inflation. In, in fact, it will make inflation even worse because, again, it spends more money. Every time this current president opens his mouth, it seems like he's trying to spend more money. He's, you know, giving away COVID tests and now they're giving away the Paxlovid or whatever the new drug is called. It's free. It's not free. Nothing is free. Somebody is paying for it. And, you know, a con man will tell you if something is free, you are the product. You are the mark. You're the sucker. And we haven't caught on to that yet in this country, apparently. So he's given away Paxlovid. He's given away masks. He's given away COVID tests. It's all free. No, it's not. And then we got the this recovery act that's going to spend, you know, however many billions of dollars. You got Ukraine. Ukraine wants, oh, what they want? $750 billion or eight, $680 billion, I don't know, hundreds of billions of dollars that they say they're going to need to rebuild. And of course, you know, who's going to pay for that? Well, the United States will because we're suckers is what we are. That, that, that's what, what it boils down to. We're $31 trillion in debt and we're still giving money to other countries. I I feel for the people of Ukraine. I feel for the people of any third world country or any country ruled by a dictator. The people are the people and you have to love and appreciate people for being people. But whether Zelensky is running Ukraine or whether Putin takes it over and puts Ukraine back under the umbrella of Russia, 
again. Because remember, Ukraine was part of Russia for, I don't know, centuries? How much of a difference in our lives here in the United States, thousands of miles away, how much does that affect us? I don't think it does. We have got, we, the United States, we have got to stop giving all of this money to all of these other countries for all of these myriad of reasons while we're $31 trillion in debt. That doesn't make any sense. And all it's doing is making the inflation worse. This inflation is far worse than they're telling us to. We all know they change the methods that they count, how they calculate it. If you go back to the 1970s or 80s and you calculate inflation today using the formulas that were used in the 70s and 80s before they changed the formulas, you'll find out that our real inflation today is closer to 18 or 20 percent than the 9.1 that our government is reporting. But they don't want to admit that, so they changed the numbers. So they took out things like you know food and, and fuel costs because, well, those prices are too volatile. Yeah, well, those are the things that everybody has to buy every day. Those are the things that you need to survive. Those are the biggest, most accurate indicators of inflation. Because that's what we all need to spend money on. It's ridiculous. They change everything. They change the definitions of words. They change how to calculate inflation. Now they're trying to change the definition of recession. It's been two consecutive quarters of of negative growth. That's just what a recession has been for, for decades. That's how we've defined it. But now, oh no. Because this one's different, right? Because, yes, we've had two consecutive quarters of of negative growth, but our unemployment rate is so low. Yeah, well, if we stay in a recession, the unemployment rate isn't going to stay low. You can't ignore that there's a recession, blow smoke up our butts, and try to go on like nothing's really wrong there, Washington folk. You got to get ahead of it, admit that there's something wrong and fix it. And by fixing it, it means stop spending so much freaking money and get back some of the money that's out there. And the only way the federal government gets back some of the money that's out there is raising interest rates. Now, in the 1980s, when inflation was as bad as it is today, they the uh, the interest rate got up to like 20 percent that'll hurt that'll hurt bad and it'll hurt a lot of people bad and i'm not i don't know i don't know if that's a good idea or not but that's the only way to get money back into our government is to is for the government to charge it as interest and then just destroy the money when they get it back that's how interest rates affect inflation Do we have to go to 20%? I don't know. I'm not an economist. Some say yes. Some say no. Some say doing that will crash everything. Others say it's the only way to to get this under control. But 
I've been saying for two years now. Oh, and by the way, I forgot. Um, I've been saying this for two years, and that's buy gold and silver. Every time there's an economic collapse and paper money is worthless, those countries always end up going back to precious metals. But last week, I didn't mention in Liberty Lighthouse, I completely forgot that uh, last week marked two years that the Liberty Lighthouse has been on Mojo Five O Radio Network, the first network to carry Liberty Lighthouse and me, Peter Seraphine. So uh, it was kind of exciting for me, and uh, I was disappointed in myself that I completely forgot to even mention it last week, probably because I didn't really do a show last week. It was a rebroadcast of... of uh, a second hour of another show and I don't know. that's probably why I forgot. So anyway, back to recession stuff. Recession is is here. I don't care what our federal government says. The definition is two consecutive quarters of negative growth and we have that. Do we happen to have low unemployment? Yes, and that's good and maybe that will help us get out of the recession faster, but I don't know. I I think it's going to happen the other way. I think the recession prolonged will cause the the unemployment rates to go up. But I don't have a crystal ball. I'm guessing just like anybody else is guessing. But I, I do what I can do to help with inflation, and that was to lower the price of T-shirts at liberty-lighthouse.com. So whether you want the... Uh, Equity or equality is American and equity is communist. Learn the difference t-shirt or maybe the men are from Mars and women are from Venus and all other genders are from Uranus. Or maybe you want the big black scary AR-15 that says it's because I'm black, isn't it? All of the t-shirts at Liberty Lighthouse uh, store the liberty-lighthouse.com. All of the t-shirts have been marked down to $17 or less. And if you're a member at liberty-lighthouse.com, you can get 10% off of anything. So even after tax and shipping and all of that, you should be able to get it for under $20. And I appreciate all of that. So I do my part. I try to help out as best I can. I don't really sell a whole lot of stuff. My books are already, you know, five bucks, seven bucks a piece. They're all pretty cheap. Can't really, I, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room on most of my products. I don't make a whole lot of money on it. But I found a way to make the t-shirts a little cheaper. So I made the t-shirts a little cheaper for you. And liberty-lighthouse.com slash store. And if you're going to liberty-lighthouse.com, please, I said it in the first segment, I'm going to say it again, please support HR46. Liberty-lighthouse.com slash HR46. Sign the petition. Share it out to everybody. Send it. Send the link as a text message. You get a lot bigger response that way. Put it on all of your social media platforms because we need thousands upon thousands of people to acknowledge the existence of this bill if we're ever going to try to get it passed and voted on in our Congress. So I appreciate all your help and support. And that was liberty-lighthouse.com slash HR46. That's all I've got for tonight. <sighs> Until next week, protect your liberties. 
once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.